Hello, you wonderful people. I'm posting the episode a day early because I'm flying back to Berlin. It's already been three weeks since I've been here in New York, and it has been a really memorable trip. I saw a lot of old friends, made some new ones. I saw some amazing theater. I got to experience the new David Geffen Hall. I didn't get to see nearly as many people as I wanted to, but one of the people that I did see was my beloved friend John, who has recently re-entered the fold as a Patreon subscriber. Wasn't that a neat transition to my little self-promotion? If you want to support the podcast, as he just did, please go to patreon.com slash countermelody, where you too can pledge either your yearly support or your monthly support. And believe me, it is much appreciated. If you happen to be one of the people who is just now, with episode 174, finding their way to the podcast, welcome. I'm so thrilled to have you. This week's episode is a very special one indeed because it continues and expands upon my memorial tribute to my beloved friend Susan May Schneider, who died a week ago yesterday. Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. Each week, you will encounter me, Daniel Guntlach, as your host, guiding you along a magical route that will bring us closer to the voices of those singers that most enchant and transform us, no matter what else is going on in the world out there. Thank you for joining me on that path. This week's episode. I went out to visit my friends Gary and Susan as she lay dying in their home in New Jersey. And on that occasion, Gary played a recording for me of a song cycle that he had written for Susan and which they performed together live in 2000. The texts are drawn from the biblical Song of Songs, and I was so moved and overwhelmed by their performance that I have decided to base the entire episode around texts from that unique book of the Bible, the Song of Songs. So here is the first of the cycle that Gary Schneider wrote for his wife Susan May Schneider, On My Bed at Night. This is a live recording from Montclair, New Jersey, in the year 2000.
The Song of Songs, also sometimes referred to as the Song of Solomon or the Canticle of Canticles, is a book of the Bible unlike any others, for it's an erotic poem describing the sexual intimacy of two lovers. It is subject to a number of different interpretations, depending on the perspective of the one doing the analysis. For instance, in Christianity, it's described as an allegory between Christ and his bride, the Church. I think it takes a little bit of a stretch to make such a comparison, but nevertheless, this is, I think, the justification for its inclusion in the Bible. At any rate, there are a number of choral settings, particularly Renaissance and Baroque settings, which probably stem from that interpretation. A number of the most beautiful of those are by Palestrina, who composed an entire series of motets collected and published under the title Canticum Canticoru, the Canticle of Canticles. We're going to hear a 1986 recording of one of those entitled Osculetur me Osculo, sung by the Hilliard Ensemble. Oh, to be kissed by the kiss of her mouth, for your breasts are sweeter than wine, fragrant with the best of perfumes, your name is like fine oil poured out. For that reason, the young girls loved you. Now tell me, please, that that is a text that describes Christ and his bridegroom, the church. Okay, I'm waiting to be convinced. <laughs> Thank you. 
The Song of Songs has provided inspiration to a wide number of composers over, really, the entire course of so-called classical music, right down to the avant-garde, including Karl-Heinz Stockhausen. I've already played on the podcast excerpts from his extraordinary concoction called Momente that exists in several different versions. The work is scored for a soprano solo, four mixed choirs, and 13 instrumentalists. It's described as a cantata with radiophonic and theatrical overtones, and Stockhausen himself described it as practically an opera of Mother Earth surrounded by her chicks. It's an extremely complex work, which uses a wide range of texts, including from the Song of Songs, incidentally in its German translation by none other than our old friend Martin Luther. There are two different versions of this piece that have been recorded. We're going to hear an excerpt from the beginning of the first part of the 1965 version, which includes the text, I am dark-skinned but beautiful, daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the skins of Solomon's tents. Do not look down on me because I am dark, because the sun has scorched me. It's perhaps for this reason that Stockhausen employed black soprano soloists to perform this work, including in the larger expanded revised version, Gloria Davy, or in this 1965 recording, our old friend Martina Arroyo. Thank <laughs> you. 
none other than Claudio Monteverdi, several centuries earlier, also set the text Nigra Sum Sed Formosa, which forms a part of the first portion of his famed Vespers from the year 1610. In this case, however, it is scored for tenor soloist, and we are going to hear the redoubtable Philip Langridge in a 1975 recording with John Elliot Gardner leading a continual group formed from members of the Monteverdi Orchestra.
other composers from the Baroque and Renaissance who set texts from the Song of Songs include Heinrich Schütz, Dietrich Buxtehude, Francesca Caccini, Bach, and many others. There are also a number of vocal song cycles and oratorios and cantatas all based on the Song of Songs, and I'm going to play you excerpts from portions of several from the 1950s and 1960s. They all have a remarkable similar musical language that is, shall we say, glorified Hollywood epic, vaguely exotic scales, a lot of wind obligatos, and luscious vocal writing. As I say, it's remarkable how similar the musical language and effect are in all of these pieces. So I'm spacing them out a little bit. We're going to begin with Lucas Foss's Song of Songs, which was commissioned by the American League of Composers and premiered by the Boston Symphony Orchestra under the baton of Serge Kusevitsky in 1947. The soloist on that occasion was the esteemed African-American soprano Ellabelle Davis. We're going to hear a recording from the year 1960 with one of my most beloved singers, pardon me for saying so, Jenny Turrell. This recording was made under the baton of Leonard Bernstein leading the New York Philharmonic. The text that is set in the first of the four songs of Foss's Song of Songs is Awake, O North Wind, and Come, Thou South, blow upon my garden, that the spices thereof may flow out. Let my beloved come into his garden and eat his precious fruits. What's so remarkable is the vocal longevity of Jenny Turrell. When she recorded this, she was already more than 60 years old, even though she fudged her age by as much as 10 years, and so people might not have been aware that at this point in time she was already over the age of 60. Thank you. 
now we're going to return to a different style altogether. This is a choral setting by the French Renaissance composer Antoine Brumel of the text Sicut Lilium Interspinas. As a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. It's performed here in this 1991 recording by the esteemed vocal group Chanticleer. Now let's return to that refulgent tonal language of the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, and a different vocal song cycle based on texts from the Song of Songs. This is the innocuously named Pastoral by the now-forgotten American composer Herbert Elwell, who lived from 1898 to 1974. Born in Minneapolis, he was one of the many composers who went to France to study with Nadia Boulanger. In his later life, he became equally known as a composition teacher and a music critic in the Cleveland area, where he served on the faculty of the Cleveland Institute of Music, as well as as the music critic for The Plain Dealer. Elwell's Pastoral was also written in the year 1947 and premiered the following year by the Cleveland Orchestra with the soloist Marie Similink Kraft, who in fact was a sort of vocal muse to Herbert Elwell. On this recording, we're going to hear the phenomenal Canadian soprano Lois Marshall singing with the Toronto Symphony Orchestra under the baton of one of her early mentors, Ernest McMillan. This piece is also in four movements, and we are going to hear an excerpt from the second movement, I Am the Rose of Sharon. This was 
I believe, one of Lois Marshall's very first commercial recordings. It's rather obscure these days, but lucky me, I got my hands on a copy of it, so I'm thrilled to present it to you. Those of you who are regular listeners to the podcast will remember that I did a big Lois Marshall episode in January of this year, and I did not play anything from Pastoral on that occasion, so this is a wonderful supplement to that episode and in tribute to this truly extraordinary singer. The text to this song includes the following sections. He brought me into the banqueting place, and his banner over me was love. Stay me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am sick of love.
might not surprise some of you to find out that some of these really quite erotic texts have also provided inspiration for pop songs. And I'm going to play two of them for you right now. One of them is from the year 1959, and the song itself is called Comfort Me With Apples, and it is sung by the late India Adams. She's probably best known as a so-called ghost singer who dubbed the voices of both Sid Charisse in Bandwagon and, perhaps even more memorably, Joan Crawford in the film Torch Song. In 1959, she made a recording for RCA Records in which she is photographed, apparently naked, in a bathtub filled with apples, and the record is entitled Comfort Me With Apples. I believe most of the songs on this release were written expressly for her. Comfort me, baby. Comfort me, baby. Comfort me with apples, 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 baby. Comfort me with apples. I'm so tired of love. Speak to me of chapels when I've had my apples, baby. Comfort me with apples, then we'll talk of love. Tempt me with fruit that attracts me. Don't be too cute. It distracts me. Give me that fruit to relax me. Make me cool down, cool down, cool down. That's good, that's good. Come comfort me with apples, 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 baby. Comfort me with apples, then we can love. Comfort me, baby. The iconic, eccentric, and brilliant Kate Bush also took inspiration from the Song of Solomon, and in her 1993 album, The Red Shoes, there is a song entitled Song of Solomon, which once again uses various texts from the Song of Songs, including the Comfort Me With Apples theme. But she has a very distinctive take on this text. I'll simply give her the floor and let her say what she has to say. Right hand, right hand. Death and grace 
In several of the excerpts, we have heard the text, I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Probably the most famous setting of this text is a 20th century choral text by the British composer Edward Bairstow. He was the organist at York Minster for a large portion of his life, and in 1925, his setting of I Sat Down Under His Shadow was first published by Oxford University Press. We're going to hear a 2014 recording of this anthem with Mark Williams leading the choir of Jesus College, Cambridge. The American composer John LaMontagne, whose work we heard sampled a few months back on my Donald Graham episode, also wrote a cycle of songs entitled Songs of the Rose of Sharon. Supposedly, these were originally written for the contralto Chloe Elmo, although I find that a little bit hard to believe. They were premiered by Leontine Price and also championed by one of my very favorites, Eleanor Stieber, and we're going to hear both of those singers in excerpts from the cycle. First, Eleanor Stieber sings again the text, I Sat Down Under His Shadow, the third of the seven songs of that cycle, and this is a live recording with Eleanor Stieber singing with the Greater Trenton Symphony Orchestra under the baton of Nicholas Barsani. This was a release on her own label, Stand Records.
Leontine Price sang the world premiere of these songs in Washington in the year 1956 with the National Symphony under the baton of Howard Mitchell, and there exists a recording of three of the seven songs, and I'm going to offer you its painfully brief but so exquisitely sung. This is the song, The Voice of My Beloved, and you hear the Price voice in its full youthful bloom. The performance took place on the 31st of May, 1956. Now, we've been hearing a lot of choral settings of the Song of Solomon, but there are some more settings by composers who at least dabbled in the avant-garde, and I'm going to play you two short excerpts from works composed by composers who, it might surprise you, also set these texts. First off is the late Polish composer Krzysztof Penderecki, who composed a 20-minute-long single-movement work called Canticum Canticorum Salomonis, of which we're going to hear a very brief excerpt. 
the way that the texts are set are not easily decipherable. This is a 1976 recording with Jerzy Katlevich leading the Krakow Philharmonic Choir and Orchestra. of these songs was made by the French composer Jean-Yves Daniel Lezure, who was a contemporary and close colleague of Olivier Messiaen's. Would have been interesting if Messiaen had also been drawn to these texts, but I suggest that Daniel Lezure's setting is a masterpiece of that relatively small genre of works for virtuoso chamber choir. Daniel Lezure's cycle consists of five discrete movements, of which we are going to hear the third, entitled Le Songe. On my bed at night I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. I will rise now and go about the city, in the streets and in the broadways. I will seek him whom my soul loveth. In this 1987 recording, we hear the crème de la crème of those virtuoso chamber choirs, the Eric Erickson chamber choir led by their founder.
there are a number of feminist scholars who have written about the power inherent in these texts in which women are given agency over their own sexuality. And certainly the one that we just heard is one of the primary examples of that. There is another work, this one composed in 1949, called The Holy Song by the Dutch composer Bertus van Leer that uses three soloists and chorus and full orchestra. Van Leer lived from 1906 to 1972, and during the war he was very active in the Dutch resistance. And following the war, he was a member of the committee that investigated Dutch Nazi collaborators. Like Herbert Elwell in the U.S., he also was renowned and respected as both teacher and musicologist and critic. The Holy Song is one of his largest scale works, and I have a phenomenal 1966 live recording to play for you with Bernard Heitink leading the Concertgebouw Orchestra and the beloved Dutch soprano Ellie Ameling singing that very text that I was just discussing with you earlier, I sleep but my heart waketh. Again, the tonal language is very similar to the works that we heard by Foss, Elwell, and La Montaigne. But this has, for me, a very special added something because the youthful Ellie Ameling reveals here a kind of vocal effusiveness and plenitude that we don't always associate with her. So this, for me, is a very special recording. And also because I know that Susan, my dear friend, was a big lover of Ellie Ameling.
The Song of Songs also provided inspiration for a wide variety of writers who drew upon its imagery and its characters in composing works of their own, which in turn provided inspiration for some amazing musical compositions. The Sulamite, or the Shulamite, is the protagonist of the Song of Songs, the one who intones those texts that we just heard. The French poet, novelist, and dramatist Jean Richupin composed the text for a scène lyrique entitled La Sulamite, which was set by Emmanuel Chabrier and premiered in 1885. Both Debussy and Ravel were enchanted and influenced by this piece. Debussy quite directly when he was composing his own cantata for solo voice and chorus, La Damoiselle Élue. We're going to hear an excerpt from a live 1945 radio performance by the Belgian soprano Suzanne Danco under the baton of Ernest Ansermé, leading the Orchestre de la Suisse Romande.
The English poet Edmund Spencer also drew upon imagery from the Song of Songs. He is no doubt most famous for the poem The Fairy Queen, which became the basis for Henry Purcell's semi-opera. But he also composed an ode to his bride called Epithalamion, which uses, again, inspiration and imagery from the Song of Songs. In 1957, Rafe von Williams composed his last major choral work based on Spencer's poem. It is also entitled Epithalamion and is set for baritone soloist, chorus, and orchestra. It is based, in turn, upon his earlier composition called The Bridal Day, also inspired by Spencer. We're going to hear a brief excerpt from that piece, the second movement, Wake Now, in a 1987 recording with baritone Stephen Roberts and David Wilcox conducting the London Philharmonic Orchestra and, at the end of the excerpt, the Bach Choir. I'm going to play you a piece by Benjamin Britten, his first canticle composed in the year 1947. There must have been something about the year 1947 that composers were drawn to Song of Solomon texts. 
This, however, is a setting of a poem called A Divine Rapture by the English poet Francis Quarles, who lived from 1592 to 1645. A poet, therefore, from the generation just following Edmund Spencer. This canticle has always held a very special place in my heart. I performed it on a concert with my very first boyfriend, who was a wonderful tenor. And once again, it takes what I can only describe as an erotic text and frames it in a religiously symbolic way. Needless to say, because it was composed by Benjamin Britten and first performed by Peter Pierce, the gay element of that text comes to the forefront, and it was something that I was always very aware of and very moved by. In seeking out the perfect performance from which to offer you an excerpt, I came upon a previously unknown to me live performance from Aldborough in the summer of 1967, which features, once again, Peter Pierce and the Russian pianist Sviatoslav Richter, who is certainly among my top five most treasured pianists. I'm particularly moved by this because, as many of you probably know, Richter was a closeted gay man, most of whose romantic life took place in the shadows, shall we say. I didn't know of any other performances of Pierce and Richter together, and this is very, very touching for me. I'm going to play the final portion of this cantata, which in its entirety lasts about seven or eight minutes. Grace, he cries, my longing. 
There are a vast number of present-day composers who have also been inspired by the Song of Songs. Composers as disparate as David Lang, Hans Zender, Tristan Murail, John Zorn, and many others. I'm going to offer you an excerpt from a 1987 collaboration between two recently deceased great figures in Greek culture, the composer Vangelis and the actor Irini Papas. In 1987, they collaborated on an album entitled Rhapsodies, of which Asma, Asmaton, was based on texts from the Song of Songs. Kiss me with all the kisses you have in your mouth. Make me drunk with the sweetest wine of your embrace. Your name is perfume, myrrh spilled on the floor. Canela, Τονάρδος με τον κρόκο και ρίζες αρωματικές του Λίβανου και σμύρνα και αλόη και όποιο μύρο πεις σε σένα ευωδιάζω Σηκοβοριά έλα νοκιά Πίσα τα κλονιά μου να ξεχυθούν, να σκορπιστούν παντού οι ευωδιές μου. Σηκοβοριά, έλα νοτιά, φύσηξτε τα κλονιά μου να ξεχυθούν, να σκορπιστούν παντού τα αρώματά μου. Σηκοβοριά, έλα νοτιά, φύσηξτε τα κλονιά μου να ξεχυθούν, να σκορπιστούν παντού τα αρώματα και ας κατεβεί ο άντρας μου στο κήπο που είναι δικός του για να γευτεί όποιο καρπό από τα κλαδιά του θέλει για να γευτεί όποιο καρπό από τα κλαδιά μου The texts from Song of Solomon are often used in weddings, and one of the most popular wedding anthems was set by William Walton and is called Set Me as a Seal Upon Thy Heart. As a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. I'm going to play you a 1993 recording with Stephen Cleobury leading the choir of King's College, Cambridge. I observed over many years the great love that my friends Gary and Susan had for each other, and I think that this is a beautiful expression of that.
Before I offer you the final selection today, I wanted to just say a few more words about my beloved friend Susan. We met many, many years ago when we were both in the training program Opera at the Academy at the New York Academy of Art. It's funny, I'm trying to pinpoint exactly what year that would have been. I think it was 1990, but I might be mistaken about that. At any rate, we knew each other for decades. And as with so many people, our friendship resumed after years of being out of touch with the advent of Facebook. And we experienced many happy meetings over the past 15 or so years, both here in the U.S. and also in my home in Berlin. Her family writes this on the memorial that they have published online. Trained as an opera singer at the Eastman School of Music, Susan was a fierce proponent of contemporary music for voice. She premiered many roles and art songs by a wide variety of composers, a number of whom wrote works specifically for her. She had a strong desire to conduct, going back to her conservatory days, and found her true calling upon becoming the choir director at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Somerset Hills. She held this position for ten years before having to resign due to her illness. In many ways, she found those ten years to be her most fulfilling musical experience. She took a group of congregants who had previously only been singing in unison and molded them, taught them, and inspired them to achieve great things while having a wonderful time. Susan inspired me because she used her love for music to create a new career for herself. I, in fact, followed in her footsteps when I became a podcaster, and we spoke frequently about finding opportunity in what sometimes felt like impediment. And this is something that she absolutely did, and something that I so treasure and value in the friendship that I shared with her. I'm so saddened by her death, but I'm also uplifted by knowing that so many people, including her beloved family, are holding up her memory. This is the third of the cycle from the Song of Songs that her husband, Gary Schneider, wrote for her. And they perform it together. I am my beloved's, and he is mine. I can think of no greater tribute to my dearly departed and deeply beloved friend. Thank you.
dear friends. Keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Goodlove. I love you, Susan. <laughs>